Lord bless you, everybody. We just uh, had a worship time, and I got to li listen to this worship, a private worship concert for me. Now I'm going to preach a message to the worship team. So let's bow our heads right now. We wish you could be here with us. We know we're uh, honoring the Lord by doing what we need to do at this time to keep others safe and to, you know, keep the spread of this down. And we would love to be together, but you know what? The church is not a building. The church is the body of Christ. And so we're having church in here, and I feel God's presence. Let's just thank him for his word. I have a message for you coming out of our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to do something a little different today. We're going to be in 1 Kings, uh, and I'm going to read to you out of 1 Kings in just a minute here. But let's thank God for the word. Father, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for your word. Oh, how relevant your word is to us in moments like these. And we, we thank you that you are speaking to your people and you're encouraging us and you're keeping us. You're keeping our spirits up and you're keeping us healthy in, in our physical bodies. And Lord, I just pray you would nourish us with your word today. Father, and I ask all this in Jesus' name. First uh, Kings chapter 17 I'm going to read to you uh, verses 1 through 7 here, dealing with the prophet Elijah. And this is something that's relevant to what we're going to right now, and I, I hope it ministers to you. Uh, 1 Kings 17, uh, 17 says this, Now Elisha the Tishbite, who was one of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, surely there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Let's stop there. The message that I have for you today out of this text is finding God's provision in crisis. Here we see the prophet finding the provision of God in a moment of crisis, and we see God sustaining him because God always takes care of his own. Now, God's people have always enjoyed the amazing provision of the God who created the heavens and the earth. Think about that. Our God created the heavens and the earth. He formed us in our mother's wombs. How, what do we have to be afraid of? God can provide. God does provide. He always has. He's never failed his people. Just consider the provision he gave to Israel in the Old Testament. Look, to get Israel to become a nation, he brings them out of bondage, out of Pharaoh's grip, out of Egypt. He sends 10 plagues, and each plague breaks down the grip so that God's people can be released. He parts the Red Sea for them when Pharaoh's army is chasing them down. He pours manna from heaven to feed them. Imagine that. Every morning you get up, you don't have to go to the grocery store and, and check that there's no chicken. You you just get up and you get your manna and God provides. He brought water gushing out of rocks at times because his people were thirsty. God's supernatural provision, uh, you know, was always there for Israel. And that should inspire faith in us at moments like this. I want to tell you something. God's miraculous provision is still with us today. He provides our next breath, our next heartbeat. He gives us food, 
water, shelter, love, hope. He heals us. He, he gives mercy to us and grace and forgiveness. All of these things are available to us because he's our creator, he's our provider, and he's our sustainer. The psalmist David, he shares his experience as a testimony with God's provision. He says this in Psalm 37, 24, and 25. He said, when he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Listen to this. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. What a testimony that is, amen. David said, I've been young and I've been old. And you know what I haven't seen? I haven't seen God drop the ball once on anybody who belonged to him. And we've got to be encouraged by these things today. You know, in times of crisis, there's stress and there's confusion. And just in this week here, we've seen a lot of that ramp up in our nation and with our communities. We've seen the stress and confusion of crisis. And the situation uh, can strain us so that when we couple that with the frailty of our emotions, many times, even as believers, we can second guess the faithfulness of God. And I want to tell you something, no matter what you feel, no matter what your emotions are telling you, no matter what you're hearing uh, on the news report, or no matter what people are saying. There's so much confusing, conflicting information out there. I want you to understand something. You can count on the faithfulness of God. Amen? Now, there, as I'm putting this together here, and we're, we're, we're doing this introduction here as we're going to look at Elijah's situation, there are two compound names of God that just leapt in my spirit that I want to remind you of today. They're important for us to know in these times as we're talking about God being our provider. Uh, the two compound names are this, Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Jireh is a compound name of God. It's a name that was revealed as Abraham spoke it in Genesis 22, 14. Jehovah Jireh means the Lord who provides. Our God is a provider. Someone say amen. You see, Abraham was taking his son Isaac, and we all know the story. He was taking him up to sacrifice him to the Lord. And as he's about to sacrifice Isaac to the Lord, the angel of the Lord stays his hand so he, he doesn't offer his son. Uh, he does it uh, to prove his faithfulness to God, but God also proves his faithfulness to him in his provision. What the provision was that God provided a ram that was caught in the thicket to offer in place of Isaac. And what Abraham, he rejoiced in the fact that God was his provision. He said, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Also, the second compound name that's important to us is Jehovah Rapha. That's in Exodus 26. God reveals this name about himself. He is the Lord who heals. Listen to Exodus 15 through 20, 15, 26 here. It says, and he said, I will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and, all, and keep all his statues. And I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. So here's God speaking to his people, and he's telling them, uh, it's kind of interesting with the stipulations he puts on here. He tells them, if you listen to my voice, and if you do what's right in my sight, and you keep my commandments and my statutes, then what? I will put none of these diseases upon you that the Egyptians have. Israel's living in the midst of the Egyptian. They're, they're riddled with disease, and God says, if you serve me, and if you trust me, and if you honor me, I will be God, your healer. Wow. 
Jehovah Jireh, our God provides. Jehovah Rapha, our God heals. He is provider and healer. Not because we beg him to be those things in moments of crisis. I want you to get this. He's that because that's exactly who he is. That's why they are the names of God. They show the attributes of God. An attribute is something true about God. It's who he is. It's not like, oh God, be my healer now. And somehow, some way, we have to, in crisis, cry out to, to twist his arm. No, it's who he is. He's healer. He's provider. He'll always be those things to those who trust him. I love some of the precursors there. Listen to my voice. Do what's right in my sight. Keep my commandments. So important now to examine our hearts. And if there needs to be repentance for us to get right with God and and bring our lives in line with God, many times we get so caught up in this world that we become worldly and we don't realize we've strayed. But it's time to experience him as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. It's time to experience him as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. We looked at 1 Kings here, read you the text. Elisha is dealing with a situation. He's a prophet, and he's just brought the word of the Lord to a wicked duo, King Ahab and his infamous wife Jezebel. Uh, These two are just, you know, they are not friendly to the prophets, let's put it that way. And so King Ahab and and Jezebel, his wicked wife there, they hear the word of the Lord. He prophesies to them, and what he says here is that there's not going to be rain or dew or any moisture in the land for a period of years unless he speaks it, unless the word of the Lord comes through him. So uh, listen, people who think they're in charge don't like when God reminds them they're not in charge. So he prophesies to them, and they don't like the, the prophecy that he brings. And you know, prophets who prophesied such things were routinely killed. And so God makes provision for him. He lets him bring the word of the Lord. Then he removes him from the situation so that King Ahab and Jezebel cannot have their way with him. God removes him. He tucks him away, and he provides for him. Now, I want to say something to you. God always provides but we must do a few things in crisis to find his provision. He's always providing, his provision is always there, but you and I are responsible to do some things in crisis. Why? So we can find the provision of God. There are five things from this text that we must do to find God's provision in crisis. By God's grace, I'm gonna get two of them to you this week, and next time we're together, we're gonna hear some more about this, but let's talk about the first two. If you want to find God's provision in times of crisis, the first thing you have to do, these are must-dos. We must be able to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We've got to be able to hear. Hearing hearing the voice of the Lord is crucial in moments like this. Verse 2 says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying. So God spoke to Elisha. Now, he's a prophet. He speaks the word of the Lord all the time. And we think, well, this is not a big deal for him. He hears God, and he speaks what God is saying. That's what prophets do. They're the mouthpiece of God. But he heard the word of the Lord. Why? Because the word of the Lord came to him, and then he speaks. Now, you might be saying, listen, Pastor Rick, I'm not the prophet Elisha, and I hear you. 
I'm not the prophet Elisha either. You know, and we got to understand that just because we might not be prophetic and we might not have, you know, some of us have these gifts, some of us don't. They're still in the body of Christ, but you know, we we never, you know, we don't seem to function like the prophets of old. And all of us have heard the voice of the Lord, and you know, I've never heard the audible voice of the Lord, but God speaks to me all the time, and he speaks to you. He speaks through his word. He speaks in the place of prayer. Sometimes he just drop things in your heart without a word, and you just know that you know that you know that God has spoken to you. So understand, uh, hearing the voice of God, you know, we, we might not be like the prophets of old. We might not be in the same, uh, you know, ballpark as Elijah, and that's okay. But listen, if we're God's children, we can hear him speak. Amen. In John 10, 25 through 28, Jesus gives us some insight into these things here. It says here, Jesus answered them and said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, these testify of me. So he's talking to the religious crowd here and they're not receiving them. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Now here's Jesus, you know, winning friends and influencing people. He's just, you know, preaching a feel good message. And he says, you know, you're not my sheep. Uh, he says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Come on, what a powerful text. What a powerful thing Jesus says here. You know, he say, my, my sheep, they hear my voice. I, I know them. They know me. They follow me. No one's going to snatch them out of my hand. He says some powerful things here. He gives us insight to the fact that if we belong to him, we should be able to hear him. Amen. Now, you know, there are some people that say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. And that's a problem that needs to be solved. If you've genuinely never heard God speak to you, you know, he, I'm sure he has. Maybe we just didn't have our ears on. But some people say, well, I've never heard God speak to me. Now, there are three ways to make sure we can hear the Lord's voice, especially in times of crisis. And if you've never heard him before, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not sure if I've ever heard God speak to me. Well, let's solve that problem today. Here's three ways to make sure you can hear him. Number one, make sure you belong to him. This is important. What did he say? My sheep hear my voice. He didn't say everybody hears my voice. He didn't say anybody who's spiritual hears my voice. He didn't say, say anybody from any, you know, play. No, he says, my sheep hear my voice. Listen, if we're children of God, then we're one of Jesus' sheep. And if we're one of Jesus' sheep, we can hear his voice. We can hear him speak. But listen, if we're not one of his sheep, there's no guarantee we can hear him speaking. There are times when people who don't have a relationship with God, he speaks to them, but that's out of his grace and mercy. There's no guarantee that if you don't belong to him, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that connects you to the Father, there is no you know, guarantee that you'll be able to hear his voice. So if you want to hear his voice, as we need to hear his voice, especially in times of crisis, we have to make sure we're one of his. It's about knowing him. Listen to what Jesus says in uh, John 10 here in verse 25 and 26 when he spoke to the religious people. He said, I told you, you do not believe uh, the works that I do in my Father's name and they testify me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. 
Now, you know, some people in our generation might have a hard time with that in the all-inclusive generation here. But Jesus is not being inclusive here. He's saying, my sheep hear my voice, but you guys, you Pharisees, you Sadducees, you religious legalistic people, you don't hear my voice because you're not my sheep. Now, some people say, oh, pastor, we're all God's children. No, we're all made in God's image. But what makes us sons and daughters is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ makes us God's children. And, And that's the bottom line of it here. We have to make sure that we belong to him. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. So the only way we can assure we can hear him in crisis is to make sure that we belong to him, that we accept him as Savior and Lord. We confess our sin and we trust him for our salvation. Number two, the second way we can make sure uh, that, that we're connected and we're in the right place so that we can hear the Lord is to make sure we know his voice and learn to tune out the other voices. Now, there are a lot of voices out there. In fact, if you've been watching online and TV, even in this situation of crisis, there are a lot of voices out there. And they're conflicting. And you know what? Some people, are, are, some people need to turn off the, the, the phone and turn off the TV and just get quiet and pray and let the Lord pour peace on them. Because with all the conflicting information, a lot of people are getting lathered up into confusion, and it's not helpful. So make sure that you can hear his voice and learn to tune out the other voices. Now, there are many voices out there that want to drown out the voice of God. Do you know that? And we have to be careful about what we listen to, what we take in. The more you and I seek him, the more we'll be able to know his voice. And that's, that's really important here. John 10, 4 and 5 says this, When he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them, talking about Jesus, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, we're not necessarily from an agrarian culture or we don't understand shepherding, but if you know anything about sheep and shepherd and all that stuff, sheep get to know their their shepherd's voice. Just like you know your children's voice, your spouse's voice, just how maybe your boss's voice, if he's, you know, your mother's voice, if she says your full name and puts your middle name in there. Come on, that voice. So sheep would hear their shepherd's voice and and they would obey him, they would follow him. So uh, understand, we need to learn to, to identify and be familiar with the voice of God. The more we seek him, the more we'll hear him and the better will know his voice. Look at verse five says in John 10. It says, a stranger they simply will not follow, but flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. That's powerful. Sheep won't follow just any old shepherd. They only follow their shepherd. Christians have to be able to discern the voice of God. Now, it's a process of maturity. It's a process of developing relationship. You know, uh, the more we're connected to someone, the more we're familiar with them. So understand at this time, you and I need to be alone and spend time in the secret place with God so that we hear him speaking to us and we know his voice and the conflicting voices we can identify right away. So make sure you belong to him. Make sure you know his voice and tune the others out. And number three, make sure you stay connected to leadership that hears from God. Thank God we have good leadership 
in most of our churches that hear from God. Now, you say, well, you know, I hear voices and I get confused and sometimes I don't know what's right. Thank God we have leadership that can hear from God. And understand, God has put leadership in the body of Christ to protect the people of God. Come on, say amen. Uh, Hebrews 13, 17 says this, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable to you. So the, the scripture says that we should be attentive and submitted to God-ordained leadership. Why? Because God promises to speak to them in times of crisis so that they can keep the sheep safe. Amen. So, you know, I don't hear very good or I'm not, I'm a young Christian or I get confused a lot. Well, make sure you have people over you in the Lord that hear from God, that have a track record of hearing from God. You know who I'm talking about. You know, the people, you know, not, you know, not the flaky Christians who are, you know, 50% prophetically or are they're mostly off and sometimes on. No, people that have a solid track record. Come on, smile out there. And that you can trust. You know, when you need prayer, you know who you go to. You, when you need to hear the voice of the Lord, when you need someone to pray for you, spiritual maturity and leadership protects the sheep. So when God speaks to leadership, now I'm praying for leadership in the body of Christ. I'm praying for our national leaders. We have national leaders that, you know, they hear from God and they've had a track record of hearing from God. And if we'll uh, consider what the Lord is saying to us through leadership, God's going to keep us safe. So uh, three ways to make sure we uh, find God's provision in crisis is that we can hear from him. We have to learn to hear from the Lord. Wherever you are at in that mix right now, every day you can improve upon it. You can improve your hearing. Amen. And so work on that and allow the Lord to develop maturity. The second thing I want to cover this week and it's going to be the, the last point that I cover. Even though there's five points here of finding God's provision in crisis, we're going to talk about just two. The first was we must be able to hear him. And the second is this, we must be willing to embrace change. Now, even just saying the word change, it usually, it, it, you know, it, it sends a shudder through us. You know, younger people seem to like change more than older people. The older you get, the less you like to change. Don't look so holy out there right now. But believers often resist change. Can we agree on that? Churches often resist change. Why? Because change disrupts our comfort. See, when you get set in your ways, when you get comfortable in your situation, your scenario, your location, your lot in life, you, you and I get into that and we almost form a rut. And then, you know what? When change is necessary, we resist it. Why? Because out of the box, it's uncomfortable to change. Am I telling the truth? And so uh, we have to understand we have that natural inclination to resist change. Now, resisting change in a time of crisis can be catastrophic. It's quiet. I know it's quiet because there's only a few of us here, but it's even quiet for the few of us that are here. Because thinking about that, well, there could be a time where we need to make changes or we need to make corrections or we need to change the trajectory of things in our lives. And if we resist that in a moment of crisis, it can be catastrophic. You know, ignoring warnings can be catastrophic. There's so many examples, you know, throughout history of people ignoring warnings and resisting change and having bad effects. You know, despite all the warnings for hurricanes, uh, I remember when we 
we had uh, Hurricane Sandy and they were warning, you know, it's going to be bad. There's going to be this big storm surge and people were like, ah, they didn't believe it. You know, if you're in the evacuation zone, you got to get out and people resisted it. And because of that, 117 people died by drowning as the hurricane hit. And what a sad thing that because people resisted a change, they lost their lives. It's a sad thing here. Now, this is not this point's not designed to put fear in us here, but it's designed to help us to understand when God says we need to change something, we better do it. Amen? It's something that we have to hear him, and when we know he's speaking, we have to embrace the change. God, God's word tells us that, you know, in the last days, God's people will have to make changes um, it says in Mark 13, it talks about the Jewish people responding to, you know, the Antichrist when he comes, that they'll have to make rapid changes to survive in that situation. Listen to what Mark 13, 14 through 20 says. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Listen to that. God's people, they must flee. What? When they see this, when the Antichrist goes into the temple and sets him up as God and says, I'm God, worship me. That's what, this is, that's what this is talking about. The one who is on the housetop must not go down or go in and get anything of his house. And the one who's in the field must not turn back to get his coat. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that it may not happen in winter, for those days will be a time of tribulation such as has never occurred since the beginning of creation when, until God God created until now and never will. Unless the Lord shortened those days, no life would be saved. For the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened the days. Now think about the implications there. God says, you're going to have to be able to hear me and you're going to have to be able to know the signs of the times. And when this happens, you've got to flee quickly. Will you have time to resist change? Will you have time to Think about it, go back, get something, turn the lights off. Did I turn the gas off? Just flee. So it's an interesting thing here for us to think about. For those of us who resist change, for those of us who are slow to be obedient, it's a warning to us that, you know, there are times where we need to do what God says quickly. Uh, Listen to the changes that Elijah had to embrace. God spoke to him in verse three. He said, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. So Elijah actually had to go and make a physical geographical change. He had to change his location. Why? So he could find God's provision. God wasn't going to bring him provision wherever he wanted to go, or he wasn't going to bring him provision where he was right then, but he had to move. He had to change. Are you getting this? And because he does uh, become obedient, we're going to see the fruit of that, and there are more principles in there. But understand the first thing he had to do was hear, and the next thing he had to do was be obedient to what the Lord said and what the Lord called for was change. Now, for most of us right now, God is not asking us to change our geographical location. I'm not expecting people to pack up U-Hauls and head to I don't know where at this moment. But God is asking for us to change some other things. You know, maybe he's asking us to change habits or our daily routine or our relationships. Maybe he's asking us to change the focus of our lives right now. 
here are a few things that, you know, probably all of us should be making changes in right now. And I'll close down with this. We should be uh, asking the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and make a change in anything in our hearts that requires repentance. Look, God doesn't shake the heavens and the earth. God doesn't allow something like this to touch the whole world without trying to make an emphatic point to his people and people who don't yet know him. It's a moment for us not to think, well, you know, let's see how this turns out. This ought to be fun. No, it's a time to look at our hearts and say, you know what, God, do I need to make some changes in here? And where repentance is necessary, we need to repent. Uh, we, we should be praying now. There should be some changes in our prayer life. We should be praying now more than ever. Someone say amen. We should be praying for the church and for leadership in the church. We should be praying for our national leaders that God would give them wisdom. We should be praying for international leaders. We need to ramp up our prayer at times like this. You, maybe you're saying, you know, my prayer life has been really kind of dry. Well, it's time for it to get wet right now. It's been a little bit slow. Well, it's time to ramp it up time to make a change. We should change the amount of time we spend in God's word. We should change the amount of time we spend meditating on scripture. We should change the amount of time we invest in his presence. When you're alone, when you're at home, get your alone time, find a spot, worship the Lord. Uh, you can have family altar, you can do it together or you can do it separately. I recommend both, but change the amount of time you spend with the Lord. See, I, I believe in all the inconvenience of this, there are many gifts to be had here. Some of us are gonna come out of this with healthier prayer lives, with increased faith, with closer family relationships. You say, well, you know, should, should we look for those things in these moments? Absolutely, but it requires change. You know, we should strengthen our family situations. We should look for opportunities to help those who are in need. And all of these things will require us to change, to move out of our comfort zone and to just allow God to use us in ways that maybe normally we have not been used. But if we want to find God's provision in crisis, We've got to be able to hear him. So let's all really tune our ears in to begin to hear him. If we want to find God's provision in crisis, we have to be willing to embrace change. And I know a lot of us would instinctively resist change, but I, I encourage you to allow God to speak to you and whatever he says, do it. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you. Uh, Lord, that we are your children, that you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And you provide for us and you always have and you always will. So we rest in that. That you're Jehovah Rapha, our healer. That Father, no plague will come nigh our dwelling place because Jesus purchased for us as part of Calvary, as part of the sacrifice on the cross, he purchased healing for us. And so God, let us experience you as provider and as healer in these moments. And let us encourage those who maybe are on the outside looking in to, to repent and to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to begin to work on the things that really matter right now. Father, I ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. I know I, I just wanna encourage you to, Think about these things that the Holy Spirit has brought before us today and, 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 and recalibrate some of the things in our lives and, you know, be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that's hurting right now. There's people who are confused. There's people who have needs. Meet whatever needs you can and serve whoever needs help right now and just show the love of God. You know, it's a different feel out there when you go to the grocery store, you go out in public, people look scared of each other. 
And uh, it never used to be like that, but it's an opportunity for us to show the love of Christ. I want to encourage you to stay in the word and keep up to speed with what's going on here. Uh, we have our online giving up now. You can stay caught up in your giving, be faithful to the church. We want to keep everybody uh, healthy and, and uh, just you know moving forward at this time. Also, next uh, week we are planning to do an outdoor service, a drive-in service. You're going to hear more about that, but we're going to have families stay in their cars and we're going to bring the worship and the preaching outside the four walls of the church here. We're still going to maintain our social distancing and honor the things we've been asked to do uh, by the county leadership and by our state, but uh, we're going to have an opportunity to get together. So I encourage you, if uh, you're not elderly and you don't have small children and you're able to get out uh, to come and experience that with us, you know, as much as these times are inconvenient, they're exciting because God is a creative God and he's going to find a way to keep his people blessed. And so Lord bless you today and uh, be, on the, be on that website, be looking for our updates, we'll post things. Definitely Wednesday you're going to get an encouragement and there'll be other things out there uh, as the Holy Spirit leads us. But uh, God's got this, everybody, so keep your eyes on him. Amen. Amen.